raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment, and this is the Gun Guy. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang, bang. With Guy Ralford on 93 WIPC. Good afternoon and welcome to the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. We're thrilled that you're with us on this absolutely glorious Indiana summer afternoon. Man, it's nice out there. Low 80s. I thought it was low humidity. I thought it felt great. I'm just an absolutely great day. Man, if you're out on the lake or you're home uh, you know, by the pool or out on the deck or whatever it might be, we hope you're enjoying this weather. And we're hoping you're, you're exercising your Second Amendment rights, too, man. It'd be a great day to go out and bust some sporting clays or trap or skeet uh, or go to an outdoor range, whatever it might be. I hope you're enjoying uh, any and all of those activities. Uh, again, on just what is a fabulous day. I'm sorry I uh, I wasn't able to be here last week. Producer Carl put together what I hear is it was a good best of gun guy uh, show. Uh, but I... Uh, I had an obligation. I uh, a very good friend's uh, daughter was getting married, and uh, it was uh, it was here in central Indiana, but it was about an hour drive away, and it was right at a time when I could not make the gun guy show. So I don't miss very many shows. In fact, you can literally count them on one hand. I think in the eight nine years now, I'll have to look that up that I've been doing the gun guy show. So I don't miss very many, and I, I hated to miss last week. But I hope you enjoyed the best of the Gun Guy show as producer Carl put together. Got a lot to talk about, as we always do. By the way, if if, uh, at some point, you know, I I take a couple of maybe strange pauses or whatnot that you're not used to hearing, I uh, had a little motorcycle mishap here a few days ago. Turns out that uh, when you hit a, a puddle of diesel oil in the street, even though you're not going very fast, it's um, it's it's a lot like. A horse is hitting the ice. <laughs> it's it's incredibly slick, and uh, and coming downtown here uh, a week or so ago on the on the Harley, I was going under an overpass where it was shaded, and so I couldn't really see. This is a, on Central Avenue, and where there's a there's an overpass about Twelfth Street, and there's a construction going on, uh, both uh, on a couple of lanes on on Central as well as overhead uh, on uh, 6570 uh, overhead. And and I don't know where it came from, whether a truck dropped it uh, driving down Central or whether it came from overhead during the construction or whatever, but uh, hitting uh, hitting diesel oil, and I was just lightly on the throttle. But, man, I, I mean, I've been riding my whole life. I've been riding, I don't know, I'm 65. I've been riding well over 50 years. And, uh, man, I've never experienced anything like it. Ba- bike just came out from underneath me, and I went over, and I landed kind of hard. And so I've got a couple of broken ribs, and I've never broken ribs. I bruised a couple of ribs playing football, but I've never broken any. It's kind of a new experience. But anyway, it uh, it's uh, it's it's distracting is the way I'd put it. You know, it's not horrible. Uh, we'll get through it, and I'm, I'm going to enjoy doing the gun guy show. But uh, – Breathing hurts, <laughs> and so and you know what? I shouldn't laugh either because I don't feel great. 
Uh, but anyway, we'll get through it. And if you've ever experienced it, you know exactly uh, what it's like. But anyway, no big deal. We're dealing with it. And we'll get on with it. Um, our illustrious president, Joe Biden, whenever he comes out and speaks on the Second Amendment, it it's great, man. It's like a really great history lesson, you know, on the the uh, the forming of this country and 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 the formative documents like Constitution. And we all know he's an expert on the Bill of Rights, you know, where he comes out and he tries to recite the most well-known passage of the Declaration of Independence. You know, we hold these rights to be self-evident. You know, and he ends up saying, you know the thing. But at any rate, um, he, uh, he was speaking at a private fundraising event in California this last week. And, and, he, and he repeated a comment that he's made several times before about what the Second Amendment does and doesn't protect. And, and we have a soundbite. This is not from this past week. This is from a previous speech that he gave, but it, it's essentially the same comment. And, and I just want to go through it. Enough rogue gun dealers feel like they, they can get away with selling guns to people who aren't legally allowed to own them. And I might add, the Second Amendment from the day it was passed limited the type of people who could own a gun and what type of weapon you could own. You couldn't buy a cannon. Those who say the blood of the, the blood of patriots, you know, and all the stuff about how we're going to have to move against the government. Well, the tree of liberty is not water with the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. The point is that there's always been the ability to limit, rationally limit the type of weapon that can be owned and who can own it. See, let, let's, let's break that down a little bit. And by the way, again, that was not a quote from this past week, but it was very, very close, almost identical. And let's break that down a little bit. He said, from the time it was passed, the Second Amendment limited the kind of weapons you could own. Is that true? Well, of course it's not. And in fact, it displays a horrendous ignorance about the nature, not only of the Second Amendment, but the entire Bill of Rights. And let's even back up. Let's talk a little bit of history here. When the original constitution of this great country, and, and, and I still say our constitution is one of the most beautiful, glorious documents ever created in the history of mankind, and has created the longest enduring democracy in the history of the world. And it's been emulated to some degree, but never with the never with the, the tremendous positive results that we've seen here in the United States of America. But when the Constitution was originally ratified in 1789, it didn't have a Bill of Rights. It didn't have a Second Amendment. And there was a debate during the original Constitutional Convention about whether we needed to limit the powers of the federal government in such a way as to preserve natural human rights. And you had, you had a split. You had the nationalists, or excuse me, the federalists and the anti-federalists. And the and the anti-federalists were saying, well, "Hold on, we don't we don't trust the government. We don't trust any 
anyone, no matter no matter how well intentioned they are when they go into leadership in the government, eventually they will try to erode the natural rights of its citizens. That's just the nature of humans. That's the nature of government. And the Federalists were saying, well, no, we got that covered. The way the Constitution is already written. Because we only give the federal government very specific powers. And when you go through the Constitution, that's exactly what it does. It, it, it enumerates and specifies the specific powers given to the government. And so the Federalists said, said there's no reason to have anything like a Bill of Rights to preserve certain natural human freedoms and, and human rights. Again, bestowed by our bestowed by our creator. There's no reason to have anything in the Constitution that protects those because we're only given the government certain rights. And if we we don't give them a particular right, then they can't do they they can't regulate in that area. They don't have any power to infringe the rights you're concerned about because we haven't given given them the power to do so in the Constitution. So there's no reason to have anything like an enumeration of, 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 of freedoms that shall not be infringed because the government has no power to infringe them because we haven't given them that power. Anti-Federalists were more cynical <laughs> in, in their wisdom and said, no, 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 you don't understand the nature of humans. Once you, be, once you become part of the power base, once you go into government, what are you trying to do? You're trying to enhance the power of the government and limit the rights and the freedoms of the citizens. That's just the way it works. And we've seen that over and over in human history. And it was this impasse. And so when they ratified the original Constitution in 1789, there was an agreement that says, look, let's just get this done now. We need a constitution. We need to do it now. We're running out of time to deal with this issue. We've got a new fledgling nation that needs a system of government that is defined by this document, this constitution. So let's do this. And this is the agreement that was struck. Let's do this. Let's pass the constitution that we've agreed on. And we'll agree that we'll come back in two years. It might have been actually a year now that I think about it. And we'll discuss a Bill of Rights. And we're the, even the Federalists said we're open to the idea of including a Bill of Rights, but let's get the job done now, the primary job of getting the Constitution passed by the Constitutional Convention and ratified by the states, and then we'll come back and we'll discuss these protection of individual freedoms. So the Anti-Federalists said with that agreement, and on that condition, we'll go ahead and vote to adopt the Constitution as it's written. So it went out, got ratified by the states, and then, true to their word, they reconvened and they discussed a Bill of Rights. And Thomas Jefferson primarily and others put together originally 12 Amendments, and that's why they're amendments. That's why we talk about the Second Amendment, because they're amending the Constitution that now has been passed by the Constitutional Convention and ratified by the states, and therefore it has defined our system of government. But now we're going to amend that 
And originally there were 12 amendments. Only 10 of them were ratified by the states, the second of which is our Second Amendment. And and the whole nature, and this is where President Biden is so amazingly confused. I shouldn't say amazingly because he's confused perpetually. But, but so horrendously confused is the idea of all of the Bill of Rights, every amendment, is not to limit any rights of the people. He said, the Second Amendment has always limited the kind of firearm you can own. Is that true? Of course it's not. A hundred percent, a thousand percent. It's not subject to debate for anyone who understands our system of government or the history of the, of, of, of the founding of this country. It's meant to limit the powers of the federal government because the anti-federalists ended up winning the debate that we needed it because we needed to say, okay, the federal government only has so many powers and they have to be enumerated right in the Constitution, but we don't trust them to not try to expand their powers beyond what's enumerated in the Constitution. So we'll spell out certain individual freedoms, some natural rights that shall not be infringed from day one. The Bill of Rights was limitation on the government. There's nothing in the Second Amendment or anything else in the Bill of Rights that constitutes a limitation on the right of any private citizen. So this whole concept, the Second Amendment limited what gun you can, of course it did not. It limited what the the government can do to infringe your natural right to defend yourself. So it's a fundamental misunderstanding of the, the founding of this country. That's why it's so outrageous. You're, you're, you're the president of this country. He, in this last speech, he said, he, oh, I taught the Second Amendment for four years. Well, apparently not well, and apparently not with a really, un, uh, a really solid foundation and understanding of where the hell it came from and what it was meant to accomplish. There's nothing in the Bill of Rights that limits any right of any private citizen. It limits the power of the government to infringe on your natural rights. That's the primary point. We're blown past the quarter hour. It's time to take a break. We'll come back. We'll continue to discuss this very point and get into the specifics of what our illustrious president had to say this last week and has said several times before. Right now, we're taking a break. By the way, join the discussion, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. We'd love to have you join the show. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. We're glad you're with us again on what's absolutely glorious June afternoon here in Indiana. We're going to keep diving through this discussion from uh, our respected leader, Joe Biden, uh, that, that demonstrates his complete misunderstanding of not only what's in the Second Amendment, but even the purpose, not only the Second Amendment, but the entire Bill of Rights, why it came about. It's a limitation on what the government can do, period, end of story all it is didn't limit anything it's always limited the kind of gun you can own no 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 it limited what the government can do but in the meantime i'll tell you what chris has called in so let's quickly go to the phone lines chris welcome to the gun guy show man uh hi, hi guy how you doing i'm all right man how um, you doing uh pretty good um 
Yes, uh, I'm sorry, sorry to hear about you getting that motorcycle wreck, but, but uh, it, this doesn't have anything to do with uh, what you're talking about. But um, I was just going to see, are you just going to dust yourself off and keep riding or you <laughs> hang it up? <laughs> well, you know, my uh, my wife may have asked me a similar question, Chris. <laughs> so, no, man, I, you know what? Yeah, I busted a couple ribs, but um, I've been riding my whole life. Man, I, I had a mini bike when I was probably – I don't know, 10 or 11 years old, a little Bridgetone Chibi, uh, 60cc mini bike. You had to, to mix your oil and gas, and uh, you, you you had to pull it to start like a lawnmower. But I loved it because it was a it was a fast little sucker, and all the kids in my neighborhood who had the Honda mini trails, I was smoking all those guys. It was much faster. And then, man, I, I got a Yamaha 250 not long after that. I got a Honda 750, which I rode for a long time uh, into college. And I got old Harley Shovelhead. Anyway, I've been riding my whole life. So, nah, I'm, I'm going to ride. I'm going to ride until I'm physically unable to ride. And, uh, yeah, I hit I hit some diesel oil and, and uh, got a little banged up. My first priority when I got home, well, I went to the emergency room, got x-rays and all that. Um, but then next morning, man, I was out working on the bike. I can make sure the bike, uh, was, uh, was fixed. In fact, I posted on Facebook that, uh, the very last part I needed, uh, to get the bike right back to where it was before came in yesterday. And so I'll be good to go. So now I'm not, uh, I'm not even going to consider, uh, pausing uh, in any way, shape or form. Riding's part of my life and I'm not giving it up anytime soon. But, uh, in the meantime, Let's get back to these comments from President Biden. He said, all right, so the Constitution or the Second Amendment always limited the kind of weapon you can own. Well, that's absolutely not true. Let's keep going. He said you couldn't own a cannon at the time of the Second Amendment was written. Is that true? Of course it's not true. Civilian militias and private citizens, private ships, private merchant ships, ships that were actually commissioned, they were private citizen owned but specifically commissioned by the government to go out and hunt British ships. Had cannon. As a private citizen, you could have a cannon sitting in your front yard at the time the Second Amendment was written. The fact that you couldn't own a cannon, well, yes, you sure as hell could. And then here, most recently, he said you can't own a machine gun. Was that true? Of course it's not true. Yes, we have the National Firearms Act of 1934. And what does it say? It was amended through the so-called Firearms Preemption, or excuse me, Firearms Owners Protection Act of 1980, was it 84 or 86? 1986, I believe. Yeah, past April of that year. And what they did, there's, there's, um, there's a, a what they call the Hughes Amendment in the Firearm Owners Protection Act that says that we're going to limit the number of machine guns. That's fully automatic firearms. And all an automatic firearm means if you pull the trigger, you get more than one bullet per trigger pull. That makes it automatic. They said, okay, we're not going to ban them. We're not going to make you give them up if you already own them. But as of April 1986... We're going we're, we're gonna to ban the importation, manufacture, or registration of additional machine guns. So to have a machine gun or transfer a machine gun, it has to have been 
imported or manufactured and in civilian hands prior to 1986. If it was, it's what we call a transferable automatic firearm. You can own it. You can transfer it. You find one out there, you can buy it. So can private citizens today own a cannon? Yes. It may constitute what's called a destructive device, which has to also has to be registered under the National Firearms Act, but you can certainly own it. Can you own a machine gun? Hell yes. So what, what boggles my mind is that this guy's handlers, his staff, his attorney general. Think about this. The, the title, attorney general, it starts out with what? Attorney. What do attorneys do? We're supposed to know the law. Why isn't someone taking this idiot aside and said, excuse me, Mr. President, you keep saying something that's fundamentally wrong. And who knows, maybe they have, and he just doesn't remember. It's something he likes saying, so he keeps saying it. But it's so fundamentally incorrect. And lastly, he made this comment, and I'm going to get into this after the break, because we're at the bottom of the hour, and he'd take a break, about, well, these people say, and he, he totally botched the quote, as he always does. So people say, well, the tree of liberty is watered by the blood of patriots. Well, let me just tell you, if you're talking about taking on the federal government, you need a lot more than an AR-15. You need a, a he, sometimes he says F-16, sometimes he says F-15. You got to go with the times, a little more modern firearms, talk about, or not, wep, or I should say airplanes, weaponry, jets. Talk about F-22s or F-35s, but okay. You couldn't take on the government with an AR-15. I'll have a lot more to say about that when we come back. Right now, we're taking a break. Join the discussion, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. We appreciate it. But make sure you join us live at WIBC.com to stream or at 93.1 FM in central Indiana for The Gun Guy Show every Saturday, 5 to 7. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. So we're talking about this speech given last week at a private fundraiser in California by President Biden. And he, he was mocking this idea where people say, or you, you'll see, T-shirts or bumper stickers uh, or otherwise uh, a quote. And the quote is from Thomas Jefferson. And, of course, President Biden always bungles it, like he bungles so many things. But the actual quote is from Thomas Jefferson. The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. 
What's he saying? There's a time to stand up to tyranny. And it may be necessary to do that with force. And when that happens, to refresh that tree of liberty, there may be blood spilled by both the patriots fighting for liberty and the tyrants that they're fighting against. And it's not its not a surprising quote from Thomas Jefferson because of what he'd just gone through. Just signing the Declaration of Independence, declaring independence from Great Britain, fighting the war for independence, and freeing the colonists, later United States citizens, from the tyranny of Great Britain. It makes perfect sense. It's right in context. And and let's let's talk a little bit more about that. Not only is that a quote from Thomas Jefferson, but Thomas Jefferson is also, as we know, the primary author, not the only author, but the primary author of the Declaration of Independence. And that quote about the Tree of Liberty being refreshed with the blood of patriots, patriots and tyrants sounds a lot like a particular phrase in the Declaration of Independence, also written by Jefferson, that doesn't get quoted near as often. I mean, whenever anybody talks about the Declaration of Independence, I mean, you need to, you need to read the whole thing. If you haven't done so or haven't done so recently, it, it's really worth a read. It really is. It's just a magnificent document. It's beautiful. It's eloquent as you would expect from Thomas Jefferson. But first of all, we need to understand what the Declaration of Independence is. Yeah, I mean, the name spells it out. But when you really think about it, what the Declaration of Independence was, it's a Dear John letter from the colonists to the King of England. It's saying, you know what? We tried. We tried to work this out. We did everything we could. It's not working for us. It's not us, it's you. We're breaking up. They, they even spell out the grievances. There's a whole list of them. And they list their grievances on all the things the king has done that were intolerable, that were unacceptable to the colonists, which necessitated declaring independence. So that's what it is. It's it's. It's not only saying, okay, this is it. We're becoming independent. It spells out why in a lot of different ways. And in spelling out why, and this is the part that gets missed so often when people talk about the Declaration of Independence. You know, they talk about unalienable rights. And with that, the part, again, <laughs> horrifically bungled by our president, but what the actual quote is, is we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that's the part everybody remembers or knows or recognizes from the Declaration of Independence. But I've always focused, as beautiful as that first sentence is, I've always focused on the next few lines which talks about the role of government, the function of government. And again, this is written by some of the same people 
really all the same people that ended up being at the Constitutional Convention, they ended up writing our Constitution. The Declaration of Independence is a Dear John letter. It's breaking up with Great Britain. The Constitutional Convention that gave rise to our Constitution created the structure of our form of government. But right after talking about unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the next line is, and this is the part I always focus on, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Again, to secure these rights, think about that. The founders of this country are saying we have certain unalienable rights, and what is government's job? Government's job is to secure those rights. It's not to limit our rights. It's not to put its boot heel on the back of our neck. It's to secure our natural rights. That's its primary function. And the Constitution spells out additional powers, like securing our borders, insert sarcastic laugh here, printing money, negotiating treaties. Very, very limited. But the job of the government is to secure these natural unalienable rights. But here's where it makes very clear it's no surprise that Thomas Jefferson both wrote the quote about refreshing the tree of liberty and wrote the Declaration of Independence. Because right after talking about natural rights, he says that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, which is securing the natural natural rights of, of citizens, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. So what are they saying? They're saying we have a natural right to do what we're doing. Our natural rights we're supposed to be protected by our government. In fact, they've been usurped and infringed and trampled by our government. That means the government didn't do its job. It became destructive of these ends, to use the words of the Declaration of Independence. And for that reason, it was their right as colonists to alter or abolish the system of government that they lived under. That's what they declared. That's not a surprise. Thomas Jefferson would write both those words and the idea of refreshing the tree of liberty. So what else does President Biden fundamentally misunderstand about that concept and about the foundation of this country? We'll get into that right after this break. Right now we're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome back to what is going to be a bit of a short segment here, as we tend to do at the top of the hour. Um, talking about President Biden. And I'll tell you what, uh, before the break here at the top of the hour, our pal Buzz has called in. So, Buzz, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. Hey, Guy, how we doing? I'm doing all right, man. You doing all right? Yep, real good. Hey, uh, he President Biden ought to think about another famous quote by Hirohito in 44. So there's probably by now three firearms behind every blade of grass. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's a great point, Buzz. And what Buzz is talking about is, uh, 
one of the military leaders of Japan there and 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 within a year or so of the end of World War II was asked, you know, after Pearl Harbor, the US fleet was decimated and 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 really on its heels and you really had an open path from Japan to the west coast of the United States. Why didn't you invade? When you had the opportunity when America was really reeling from the the sneak attack. I'm sorry, there's no other way to explain it. At Pearl Harbor, why didn't you attack mainland U.S.? That's when you had your shot. And Hirohito reportedly, and by the way, it's disputed whether he actually said this or not, but what a lot of us refer to, and, and he's often quoted as saying in that moment, as he said, oh, I would never invade main, ma- the mainland U.S. There would be a rifle behind every blade of grass. And, and of course, a lot of us who support the Second Amendment and, and whose gun rights were important to us love that quote. But see, whether he said that or not, again, that's a disputed quote. Whether he actually said it or not isn't really the point. Because... Because here's the point. It's completely consistent with the Second Amendment. Because it said the right of the people to keep and bear arms, talking about the people, okay, being necessary to the security of a free state. What are they talking about? It's the government defending the United States of America right alongside private citizens empowered to do so. Private citizens necessary to the security of a free state. Hirohito's quote, completely consistent with that. And that's a really important point. And that's why I love that quote. Now, again, some people say, oh, and I don't know. You know, there are so many historians, college professors, and otherwise so-called intellectuals out there who so despise your constitutional freedoms, it doesn't surprise me too much that people come out and say, oh, Hirohito never said that. But whether he said it or not, it's a completely valid point and completely consistent with the meaning and the origin of why we have a Second Amendment. And I'll talk more about that. You know, I posted on my Twitter. If you haven't followed me on Twitter, check that out. It's at Guy Relford. But there was a Marine who posted a comment about your Second Amendment rights and what it does and doesn't protect. We'll get into that. But finish the discussion on President Biden's idiotic comments when we come back. Right now, we're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. We appreciate it. But make sure you join us live at WIBC.com to stream or at 93.1 FM in central Indiana for The Gun Guy Show every Saturday, 5 to 7. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. And welcome back for hour number two of the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. 
And I, I don't know that I necessarily intended this, but we're ending up hearing a bit of a a history lesson, really, on the formation of this country, the writing of the Constitution, and the writing and the ratification, and really the purpose of the Bill of Rights, including the Second Amendment, because our president clearly has no idea what even the purpose of the Bill of Rights was and is. So limit the power of the government. But then he goes on and he talks about, and, and Buzz talked about this when he called in, to talk about, well, you know, people talk about refreshing the tree of liberty with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Well, let me just say, if you want to take on the government, you're going to need more than an AR-15. You're going to need fighter jets. In fact, there's a, a quote about nuclear weapons. Is he suggesting the government would use nuclear weapons here on U.S. soil against its own citizens? And if citizens don't have their own nuclear weapons, there couldn't be another rebellion? A rebellion, by the way, based on the fact that the government has stopped functioning as it's intended to function and has become destructive of these ends, to use the language of the Declaration of Independence, these ends being securing the natural rights of citizens. By the way, here, drop a little footnote here. This is interesting. So Declaration of Independence obviously was approved and signed in 1776. In fact, we're coming right up on July 4, really celebrating the day. Not that it was signed. It wasn't fully signed for days and weeks after July 4th, but the, the, the vote on the final document was made on July 4th. And that's when it was approved. You know, it, it was subsequently signed. So we're getting ready to celebrate that here in just a few days. Then that led, obviously, to the War for Independence, which the, the colonists, later U.S. citizens, through their militia, as well as the colonial army. One, clearly. Then we had to go about the business of forming a structure of government, and that's what the Constitutional Convention was all about. That gave rise to our Constitution, which was ratified in 1789. And the Bill of Rights was added in 1791. So that's the sequence. The sequence. So we're now 15 years passed the Declaration of Independence. But we've just formed this government, and we've now amended it to include limitations on the government so as to protect the individual liberties of citizens. So we're right where we want to be. But what's interesting to me that a mere 15 years after the Declaration of Independence, where the founders of this country said specifically, whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, these ends being securing the natural rights of citizens, it's the right of the people to alter or abolish it and institute new government. You know what happened then, actually 16 years later, in 1792, a mere year after the ratification of the, of the Bill of Rights? Congress passed what's called the Insurrection Act. You know what the Insurrection Act says? It says, 
You can't repel it against the government. You can't incite or participate in a rebellion against the authority of the United States government, which is interesting to me. I get it. At the same time, it's a little inconsistent with what a lot of these same people. Now, again, we're talking about Congress having passed this in 1792. But it's a little inconsistent with the whole idea that, hey, if the government doesn't do its job and protect our individual liberties, we as patriots can stand up and alter or abolish our system of government. And what clearly Congress said in 1792 is, well, that was directed at King George. We've formed a much better system of government, so you can't rebel against this one. And I've always thought that was a little, if not hypocritical, at least a little inconsistent. But to go back to President Biden's point, well, let me just tell you, to stand up against the government, you're going to need more than a rifle. Well, first of all, is that true? You know, what the, you know what the war in Afghanistan was? I mean, again, this was a 20, 20, almost 21-year war. That was the greatest military force in the U.S. And listen, I have unlimited respect for our military and the people that serve in our military. But this was the greatest military force in, in the world, fighting against roughly 20,000 guys with rifles in Afghanistan. Like it, don't like it, those are the facts. And whenever you have an indigenous population fighting against a superior force, what does the population have? It has superior numbers. And they're embedded. They're embedded in the country, and they're spread out everywhere. Now, look. Do I expect to see this in my lifetime? I absolutely not, and I pray against it. I don't want to see that. It'd be horribly destructive, and the loss of life would be horrific. I don't want to see it. I'm not advocating that. At the same time, I respect the motives and the purpose of the Second Amendment, which is to secure right, necessary for the security of a free state. Security, yeah. Just like Buzz was talking about, where there'd be a rifle behind every blade of grass if we suffer a foreign invasion. Just like the militia stood right next to the standing army, both in the War for Independence and the War of 1812. And would do so again if, God forbid, we ever saw an actual invasion on U.S. soil. It's hard to imagine. But that's what the militia's for. That's what the Declaration of Independence, or excuse me, that's what Second Amendment says. But beyond that, the purpose is to always to always have a deterrent, to always have this huge deterrent out there the federal government has to think about, which is, you know what, we can only push things so far because we have a militia. And in the, the phraseology, the wording, the holding of the Supreme Court of the United States, that's every person, that's every able-bodied person of age in the U.S. It's the common man. It's the population. It's the militia. They're armed. Are they well-regulated? Well-regulated doesn't mean regulated by the government. That's a concept that's well been established. Again, that's also in the Heller decision from 2008 from the U.S. Supreme Court. 
Regulated just means well-trained, well-equipped. It means efficient. It means a militia that's able to do its job. So well-trained, well-equipped. In fact, I've, I've joked before, you know, I'll go to a training class a lot of times, especially uh, like Revere's Riders, one of my favorite organizations, are doing a training class. And they, they give a little bit of a history lesson as part of every class. And we'll talk about the events of April 19th, 1775, in Lexington and Concord. And we'll talk about the formation of this country and the writing of the Second Amendment. And we'll talk, well, but, but then you're, it's all about firearms training. So you get a little history lesson, but you're basically becoming more proficient, accurate, safe with the use of your firearm. And there's always a moment where you always look at each other. You stand, look, look at next, the guy next to you who just shot all bullseyes in his target. He said, damn, bro, you're well-regulated. What does that mean? It means you're effective, you're efficient, you can do your job. As a private citizen, capable of assisting in the security of a free state, well-regulated, you're trained, you're capable. But where you have this indigenous population, even against a superior force, look at the history of, of conflict in modern times. Look at Russia in Afghanistan. Look at the U.S. in Vietnam. And again, none of this is criticizing, denigrating, minimizing U.S. military or people that served in those conflicts. It's the natural state, it's the natural effect of even a superior force fighting an indigenous population that's embedded, spread out. It never works out for that superior force. So is President Biden right? Oh, you, you want your AR-15 because you can stand up to a, tyrann, a tyrannical government for your rights? Ha ha, you don't have F-15s. Well, there were fighters and Apache helicopters and drones and a lot of superior technology right over in Afghanistan. And 20,000 people with rifles basically kicked us out of there. And again, I'm not advocating anything. My Lord, do I want to see anybody standing up? And 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 do I want a shooting war here on U.S. soil between private citizens? Like, oh, Lord, no. I fully believe I'll never see that in my lifetime, but I'm also an old guy. I don't want to see that. But at the same time, we have to respect the purpose of the Second Amendment. And those of us who want to be well-regulated and well-equipped and well-armed, well-trained, which is part of well-regulated. In substantial part, are wanting to act consistent with the founders of this country and, 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 and these beautiful founding documents. The saying that we are, in fact, the armed citizen necessary for the security of a free state. Yes, we are. Security, yes. Free, yes. Why is the word free in there? Because we can stand up to a tyrannical government. That's the whole point. That is the whole point. And it's it's just, it's heartbreaking to me. It's not surprising, but it's heartbreaking nonetheless that the president of this country doesn't understand that. And right now we're a little past a quarter hour, we're taking a break. We'll come back. We've got a couple people on, on hold on the phone lines. You can join the discussion. 
We'll be going to the phone lines here after the break. 317-239-9393. We're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And I'll tell you what, before we go to the phone lines here just briefly, I said that uh, here just the last few days, certainly since I've had a show, since I was out last week, um, the comment about AR-15s and F-15s and the Tree of Liberty and all that that we just dissected coming from President Biden, that wasn't his only idiotic comment on two-way issues. He also had something to say about pistol braces, realizing that the ATF regulation essentially declared any former pistol, as defined by ATF itself, for 10 years that has a pistol brace on it, is now a short-barreled rifle, and if you didn't register it by the end of May, you're a felon, and it'll put you in prison for 10 years. And so that regulation, that change in regulations by the Biden administration's ATF has taken some hits. There have been a couple of different courts, none of which apply to us here in Indiana, unfortunately, but a couple of different courts have issued injunctions saying, you know what, it looks to us like this is unconstitutional and it shall not be enforced. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals did that. For instance, that covers Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi, if I recall correctly. In addition, Congress in the House passed under the Congressional Oversight Act passed a resolution. Now, again, it has to pass the Senate, which is unlikely, and it would have to be actually signed by President Biden, which we know isn't going to happen. But they came out and said, no, this is invalid. It's an inappropriate use of legislative authority by an administrative agency, which is unconstitutional. But whether in reaction to that or otherwise, President Biden had some things to say about pistol braces. Put a pistol on a brace, it turns into a gun. Makes it more, you can have a higher caliber weapon, a higher caliber bullet coming out of that gun. It's essentially turning it into a short barrel rifle, which has been a weapon of choice by a number of mass shooters. What? The hell was that? It, so it makes it a higher caliber weapon. So first of all, if you're not familiar with the term, what's a pistol brace? A pistol brace originally was designed to attach to what was previously a pistol, meaning a, a firearm designed to be fired with one hand. And a lot of people have AR or AK style pistols. And they're legal and they don't have to be registered under the National Firearms Act because they're pistols. Where if they're rifles with a barrel shorter than 16 inches, they'd have to be registered as short-barreled rifles. And so the ATF reviewed pistol braces and what they are, they attach to a pistol and they're designed to essentially strap around your forearm. And originally designed really to help disabled shooters help them stabilize, as the name suggests, a pistol and be able to shoot it one-handed. Well, then people started manufacturing more and more. Companies started manufacturing more and more of these. People started using them more and more. And people started taking the pistol brace and actually putting it against their shoulder and using it as a shoulder stock. And if a gun actually has a shoulder stock, it's designed to be fired from the shoulder, 
and has a barrel less than 16 inches. Now it's a short-barreled rifle. But the ATF came out and said, no, no, even if you incidentally put it against your shoulder, having a pistol brace does not make it an SBR. A short-barreled rifle has to be registered, otherwise you're a felon. So after 10 years of telling us that, and millions and millions, estimates are somewhere between 4 and 40 million of these were sold. ATF does a 180 and says, oh, you know what? We changed our mind. Now they're devices that make a firearm now designed to be fired from the shoulder. Now, if you have one of these, it's a short-barreled rifle, and you have to register it. And if you don't do it by May 31st and it's unregistered, we'll put you in prison for 10 years. But, but break down what he said. He said, it makes it a higher-caliber weapon. What? It's an accessory that attaches to the firearm. It doesn't change anything about the caliber. It's not about making it a more, what, high-velocity no, it doesn't. The velocity of the firearms determined by caliber, barrel length, and a few other characteristics, none of which have anything to do with whether you have a pistol brace on it or not. Now, if you wanted to say it makes a gun more accurate, in other words, is it more accurate to shoot a gun from your shoulder using a stock or a pistol brace as compared to shooting it one-handed? Yes. More accurate? Yes. Is that a bad thing? Should we, should we outlaw them because it makes a gun more accurate? I don't know. If I'm defending my family or other innocent people, doesn't the government want me to be accurate? As In other words, I only hit the bad guy and I don't hit, I don't hit innocent bystanders. Accuracy is a good thing. So again, it's ludicrous. And by the way, Bob's been on hold for quite some time, and I think he had a comment about exactly that. Bob, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. Guy, you stole my Biden quote. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say, so good for you. But I had two other quick comments. Sorry you and your Harley went down. I've got a Harley Ultra, and I just wanted to warn you, when you're back on your bike, be careful in Carmel where they're tearing up asphalt because that stuff is slippery as you know what on a bike and when you slow down in the roundabouts people are on your butt because they don't know what you're doing on a motorcycle yeah you know what i every morning when i'm riding the, i ride the, the harley to work a lot if it's a nice day i like to ride and uh i ride from zionsville to into downtown carmel because i live in zionsville and uh my office is right in downtown carmel and they've been resurfacing uh, what's Willow Road in Zionsville, and then it turns into Main Street in Carmel. So I pull out of my neighborhood, and I go 7.5 miles and 15 roundabouts. I, I'm not kidding, 15 roundabouts from my house, and I'm and I'm at my office on you know, straight across Main Street. And they've been resurfacing that for about two weeks. And I, I, I mean, I've known that I've been riding my whole life. I've, I've I've experienced it before, but you couldn't be more right. Where it, it's it's squirrely, it, you know, it, it's loose. It's, it's almost like gravel. It's slippery as snot. It's unbelievable. But anyway, my last comment was I ran into you outside your office, I don't know, six months ago, and I said, do I need to retain you if I need you? He said, no, call me when you need me. <laughs> That's right. Well, I always – and, Bob, I appreciate your call very much, buddy, um, and your support of the Gun Guy Show. But, yeah, people say, you know, I want to have you on retainer in case I ever need you. Look – I'm not going to take money from people that where there's a 99.9% .9 chance you'll never need me. All right? People say, well, how do I know you'll be my lawyer if I need you? I say, call me. 
you know, my uh, my office uh, uh, phone rings for a while in the office, then it's forwarded to my cell phone. And now I'm a sound sleeper, so I don't necessarily guarantee I'm going to answer the phone at 4 a.m., but leave a voicemail, I'll get it right back to you. So, no, I, I'm not going to you know, accept retainer fees from from people. I don't know. I don't even think it's ethical to uh, accept money from people when they don't need me yet. So if you need me, hire me. I say that all the time. In the meantime, we're at the bottom of the hour. We come back, we're going to get back to the phone lines. Tom's been holding a long time, and uh, Brian has called in, uh, who says he has a contrarian viewpoint. We love those, man. We always welcome those here on The Gun Guy Show. But we'll be uh, right back. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. We appreciate it. But make sure you join us live at WIBC.com to stream or at 93.1 FM in Central Indiana for The Gun Guy Show every Saturday, 5 to 7. And welcome back. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And I'll tell you what, before we get into anything else, Tom's been on hold forever. So let's go to the phone lines. Tom, man, thanks for your patience. And thanks for joining the Gun Guy Show. Hey, good evening, and thanks uh, for taking my call tonight. Sure. Uh, and uh, one uh, comment on one of your advertisers. I would love to have the opportunity to see you down at Thompson Furniture again with uh, Hammer and Nigel. So I hope maybe account executives can arrange that for you guys again this year. Oh, yeah, I love those guys. I, I've been down there and uh, participated uh, in a fundraiser they had down there. And, yeah, good people. But I believe you had a, a gun-related question. Yes, it is kind of a gun-related question. Uh, our son recently had a very nice Glock handgun. I'm not sure what the caliber was on it. It was stolen out of his car in the driveway of the house he lives in. And this is down south side suburbs, so it's not inner city type situation. But he went ahead and filed the report police report on the thing. We went to the insurance agent that covers uh, the kids at that house and found out, and folks out there have insurance you might check. There's no $500 deductibles anymore. Now they, most insurance companies rate it on 1% to 1.5% of the value of the house, replacement value. So consequently, we found out that this $1,100 gun uh, did not fall under our deductible because our deductible is $1,400 now. But our agent, uh, somebody knows Jake, if that gives you a hint, uh, she recommended to us the fact that we can get a gun writer. And this is a separate policy, and it's based on number of guns and the value of the guns. Okay, here's the relevant thing, and it's relatively inexpensive. We're talking about $80 a year for this. But they need all the serial numbers on all the guns in order to do this. Now, guy, the red flags are going up. They got the numbers to the guns. What could this lead to? And are there any insurance companies that may not have that requirement? Yeah, it's a good question. And what that's going to, um, what that, what what that's going to, um, 
look like, Tom, is that every insurance company is going to be different. Some you, you can just make sure firearms are covered as long as you can, you know, prove ownership. In other words, you keep the serial numbers. I mean, I have a, uh, a, a document where I have pictures and serial numbers of, of, of my firearms. Um, I have that in a secure location where only I can access it. But, um, you know, some insurance companies say as long as you can prove that you have a loss and it's an insured loss and you say, okay, this was my gun and here's the value and, and, and identify it, then they'll pay for that. Others, if they want you to list the individual guns, what I'd be talking about is going to a different insurance company. Um, I insured guns, you know, years ago through the NRA. NRA has a, a firearms owner's insurance program, at least they did when I did it. And, um, and you can sign up, and and it and it covers any gun up to a certain value. But if you have guns over that limit, I, I want to say two thousand dollars or something. Well, I've got a number of guns that are more expensive than that. I said for those, if they're more expensive, you need to identify it uh, by make and model, and, um, and and give them specifics. And and so I've done that. So um, if a particular insurance company is wanting you to identify um, guns by, you know, by serial number, that's information. Now that's out of your control, right? That's in the insurance company's possession. And you don't necessarily want that record floating around out there in case, uh, you know, bans start getting passed, that kind of thing. I totally get that. What I would do is just shop for an, another insurance company that doesn't have that requirement. And let's go. Brian's been on hold for a while. Brian, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. Hey, good evening, Guy. How are you, sir? Good, sir. How are you doing? Doing great, doing great. Well, I'm offering a contrarian view because I am a, a pro-union center-left Democrat. You probably don't get too many calls from us Democrats, so maybe you do. Okay. But um, my concern is that um, you, that you and a lot of guys on the right paint this narrative that we Democrats want to seize everybody's guns and we're 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 reflexively anti-gun. And I, I have got as a Democrat, I have got to push back against that. I do support the Second Amendment just like you do. But I don't see the need for people to own military-style weapons. Now, there are, there are plenty of assault rifles out there that someone can own that could be for home defense, self-defense. But why does someone need to own an AR-15? That is the civilian version of the M-16. Okay, Brian. A, a, a fair point. Um, but let, let's talk about that a little bit. First of all, you said, why does anybody need that? I'm not going to justify that to you, Brian. You know why? Because... It's not the Bill of Needs, Brian. It's the Bill of Rights. And and there's absolutely nothing about establishing a need to exercise a, a constitutional freedom that should ever be a requirement of exercising that freedom. So I'm, I'm not even going to talk about needs. That's just, that's off the table. It's not the Bill of Needs. It's the Bill of Rights. Now, what does that right extended, extend to? In fact, the comment I have here on my computer when you called producer Carl um, said you don't believe that the Second Amendment rights are absolute. Well, whether you believe they're absolute or not, we don't have to debate that because in terms of the type of firearms that are protected by the Second Amendment, the Supreme Court's ruled on that. So you and I can have a philosophical debate all day long. It doesn't really matter because the law is settled on that point. And the Supreme Court of the United States in D.C. versus Heller in 2008 said those firearms that are commonly used for lawful purposes are protected by the Second Amendment, commonly used for lawful purposes. That's what's protected. So if it's not commonly used for lawful purposes, the Supreme Court says it's not protected. So 
you and the Supreme Court agree that the right's not absolute. Okay, that's the law. I'm a lawyer. I follow the law. So that's fine. So commonly used for lawful purposes. Talk about military-style firearms. Well, what we're talking about here, you talk about the AR-15 in particular. You know what that is? Brian, it's the most commonly owned firearm in America. It's the most commonly owned firearm in America. And, and there are estimates now, I mean, they're, they're off the charts. For years, people said 20 million, 25 million. It's got to be 40 or 50 now. It's the most commonly owned rifle in America. And what do people use them for? I have a suppressed AR next to my bed that I'm using for home defense. Somebody breaks in my house, that's what I'm going to shoot them with. It's accurate, it's suppressed, so it's quiet in the house. And that's my weapon of choice. Do I have to establish to you or to the government or anybody else that I need it? To hell with that. I say anybody who says, well, why do you need that? I'm sorry, I mean this as respectfully as I can, Brian. Kiss my butt. I don't, I don't have to establish a need to do anything. And in fact, what we just saw in New York in last year's Supreme Court decision in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, in that case, they looked at New York's licensing laws that said, well, unless you can establish a sufficient need to carry a concealed handgun in public, you don't get a handgun license. And Supreme Court looked at that and said, hold on, this is a right protected by the Second Amendment. You don't have to establish a need to exercise a constitutional freedom. That's off the table. That's not part of the equation. So anybody tries to bait me into that, well, why do you need that? What do you use that for? I'm not having that discussion. I'm not even going down that road. And the Supreme Court of the United States, not me, not other so-called on the right, as you mentioned, or Republicans or conservatives or whatever, whatever label you want to slap on us, not up to us. It's up to the Supreme Court. And they made that decision. Commonly owned for lawful purposes. That's what's protected. Now, what are AR-15s used for as far as lawful purposes? I describe mine, and a whole hell of a lot of people I know use one for the exact same purpose. Competition? Go to a three-gun competition, one of the most popular competitions in the U.S. right now. What are you using? You're using an AR-style rifle, invariably, a shotgun, and a pistol. Because, oh, you don't go hunting with an AR-15? Well, of course you do. Our first lady of Indiana, right here, Janet Holcomb, has gone hog hunting in Texas and, and Arkansas and other places, using an AR-15. And a lot of people across the country do exactly the same thing. Home defense sport. You go to a public range where people just are just enjoying shooting. If they're shooting a rifle, you know what there's a 90% chance of? They're shooting an AR-15. Just because it's their recreation. It's what they enjoy. Is that a lawful purpose? Hell yes. And there are tens of millions of them, whatever the number is in the U.S., so are they commonly used for lawful purposes? Yes. That means we have a right. And let me tell you, I'll, I'll tell you the metaphor, and this upsets people sometimes, and I don't really care. This upsets people sometimes when I use this metaphor, but it absolutely fits. People say, why do you need that rifle? What do you need an AR-15? You know what I always come back and say? You know what? Rosa Parks didn't need to sit in the front seat, the front row of the bus. The front row and the back row of the bus are going exactly the same place. And if you're required as a person of color in Birmingham, Alabama, to sit in the back row, but you have to establish your need to sit somewhere else, 
Would we have civil rights in this country? And by the way, who would even advocate for such a position? It's ludicrous. It's disgusting. It's hateful. I hate even throwing it out there as a concept. But that's the way we approach these issues on constitutional freedoms. And equal protection under the law is protected by the 14th Amendment. Rosa Parks didn't need to sit in the front row, but she had a fundamental human right to see whatever the wherever the hell she wanted to. And nobody looked at her and said, well, unless you can, you can tell me you need to sit there, you can't sit there. Hell no, absolutely not. Hell, I'd, I'd, I'd give my life to fight against that concept. So, Brian, I didn't mean to go on a rant against you there, buddy, and I put you on hold, so you, you can't comment back. But... But I'm not talking about needs, brother. Uh, I'm talking about rights. And the Supreme Court has defined those rights so that you and I don't have to debate it. And with that, we've gone well past the three-quarter hour. We're taking a break. We'll be right back on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. I'll tell you what, uh, we got a really short segment here, only a couple of minutes, but Joe's been on hold for a while, so let's go to the phone lines to wrap things up. Joe, you don't have a lot of time, brother, but what you got for us? Well, I'm just saying these guys are driving me crazy with this weapon of war stuff. I got a couple ARs. But I got a lot more Colt 45s. I don't know any army on earth that carries the AR. But lots of people have carried the, you know, Colt 45 oh, yeah. since 1911. It's been a weapon of war. But you never hear them say anything about the Colt 45, you know. It's all about the AR. Uh, it's it's such a great point, Brian. Or Joe, excuse me, uh, yeah. responding to Brian. But thanks, Joe, for calling in. Yeah, I mean, I've got a couple of K-Bar knives. I mean, they were developed, right? I think for use by the Marines in uh, in Vietnam. It's it's a military style weapon uh, designed by the military. You talk about Glock handguns or Sig handguns now. I mean, they're they're all carried by the military. So it's a, it's a silly argument. But I, you know, I even go to the next step, and that is that when the founders of this country wrote the Second Amendment, they were talking about the militia being the common man, the person, me, you, our listeners. The common citizen being able to stand up to a tyrannical government. How do you stand up to a tyrannical government if you're not similarly equipped? I mean, the muskets, the rifles that the Minutemen on Lexington Green and in Concord fired at the British regulars were the same technology that the British Army had and the Colonial Army had as well. In fact, there's arguments that some of them were more accurate. So I never, I never want to apologize too far for this weapon of war business. Because at the end of the day, we have to be able to stand up to a tyrannical government. That's the purpose of the whole Second Amendment. That's a great way to wrap up this show. We're glad you came. We're glad you listened. And we hope you come back next week.
Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. We appreciate it. But make sure you join us live at WIBC.com to stream or at 93.1 FM in Central Indiana for The Gun Guy Show every Saturday, 5 to 7. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.